Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Christian Knapp. This is Selling the Mountains, a show about the booming mountain town real estate economy and unique personalities fueling it. Each episode is an insider's perspective on market trends, lifestyle, success stories, and the ups and downs of homeownership in the mountains. Christian Knapp is the former chief marketing officer of Aspen Skiing Company and a lifelong mountain town enthusiast. He is an accomplished marketing and sales leader who has worked for the top resorts in North America including Aspen, Vail, Breckenridge, and Keystone. Currently, Christian is an independent consultant and principal at Moment of Truth, a boutique marketing firm specializing in brand development, strategic planning, and digital execution. All opinions expressed by Christian and podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of the companies or clients they represent. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for real estate investment decisions. My guest today is Andrew Erneman, the founder of Erneman Real Estate and an owner broker associate at Aspen Sotheby's International Realty. Andrew is one of the most successful brokers in this highly competitive market and founded his company with one simple mission, to reimagine the Aspen real estate purchase and sales experience. Andrew's previous work includes real estate development and consulting engagements in Aspen and San Francisco, business strategy consulting at McKinsey and Company in Los Angeles, and marketing at Janus Capital in Denver. He's a true competitor at heart. He was a former member of the US Alpine ski team and has competed around the world. In our conversation, we cover market trends, the blistering comeback that was 2020, and the record-setting pace of the real estate market here in Aspen, Colorado. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thanks, Christian. It's a pleasure to be on. How did 2020 end up for you? This year was just so off the charts, not only for the Aspen real estate market and a lot of real estate markets, but I was the first broker ever in Aspen to sell over $500 million in a year, and I ended up at just over $600 million. Nobody else has eclipsed that $500 million mark, so I'm very proud to have uh, certainly ended up on top, but just think about how big those numbers are. I mean, my biggest year before that was around $200 million in sales, and, and that's one way to measure it, but I represented... The Dancing Bear Penthouse sale, both sides that sold it over 6,000 a foot. That's the first ever sale over 6,000 a foot. And and that has not been eclipsed yet. Uh, I brokered both sides of the largest individual transaction at $37.5 million. So for me, it was just a year of superlatives. And it's hard to believe rewinding less than a year from now that that wasn't even fathomable. Uh, on any level. And and now to look back, to be proud of certainly how the year ended up personally, but also just amazing for our market in general. Let's unpack that for a minute. By, by the way, congratulations. Those numbers are absolutely outstanding, um, mind-blowing, you know, hard to really comprehend. But uh, congratulations to you. And it's it says a lot about you and, and your success and why clients keep coming back to you. Thinking back to March when the ski resorts closed and we were in this really dark pandemic kind of closure and the real estate market was looking very bleak. How did that unfold and accelerate so fast into the second half of 2020? Can you expound on that a little? I can. I mean, it's almost, it's a little scary to just go back and it's so vivid to think about what our days were like then where the thought process and the weight hanging over me and my colleagues just personally of are we going to be able to keep our doors open as a company without pumping serious cash into it just to survive as individual real estate brokers can we continue to 
find a way to bring in dollars, you know, not being on salary, uh, in my case, employing assistants who are on salary and, and wanting to care for them as well, but really just a bleak feeling about where does this take us and, and basically knowing through April and into May, we're not going to have any kind of tourism this summer in Aspen and, and you know, forget real estate. I mean, it's, it's going to be a sort of a ghostly feel. And, and then like all of the sudden, in the middle of May, the phones and emails really started popping with people looking for rentals, wanting to rent in Aspen for the summer. And it was like, really? Okay. And it was this mad rush, like the floodgates all of a sudden opened through the latter part of May, early part of June of people looking for not just a week like they might usually in July or in August, but wanting a, a full summer rental. And it became very quickly the reality that we are going to have a summer. It may be very different in, like it was in terms of the lack of cultural events and nonprofit events, but people wanted to be in Aspen. And that then morphed like mid-June into people starting to show up much earlier than, than usual for summer. And, and if you remember, by mid-June, town felt really busy. And normally that doesn't happen until July 4th, but for Food and Wine Weekend, which didn't happen this year, and all those people showing up in, in mid-June, early June, wanted to look at real estate. And we went from not being allowed to do open houses or showings or, or having any semblance of a real estate business going to just gangbusters, doing our best to respect COVID protocol and, and keep our, our, our safety any way we could, but also trying to do business. And the rest, as they say, is history. I mean, it went from not even zero, just like nothing to the craziest, most wild market we've ever experienced in Aspen and the history books will show. I mean, just the number of transactions that occurred in August, September into October and through the end of the year, just unprecedented. And it's left us with limited inventory and still, still a robust market today. No, it's absolutely incredible, the phenomenon. And as I talk to folks in other mountain towns, it sounds like it was ubiquitous across all the mountain communities. And obviously, right now with the pandemic, they were looking to escape their urban dwelling. Maybe they wanted some more space to breathe and, and get the kids outside or whatever. Maybe they have a more flexible work from home ability now where they didn't have that before. But clearly, the second homeowners are now becoming primary residents and, and it's changing dramatically. Do you think this is a trend that's, is this a trend or is this here to stay? It's got to be a trend. I mean, uh, th there's, and, and I guess I'll caveat that and say what I've seen over my, my lifespan in Aspen from growing up here all the way till now is there are always ends that show up, whether it's, in the 80s, when there was just a oil boom and from Texas discovering Aspen climate and just great place to come for the summer. And all of a sudden, Aspen transformed from a, a winter only resort to a winter and summer resort. Uh, the trends that we saw, frankly, coming out of the recession where the Great Recession, where people wanted to be just downtown. And I mean, 90 percent of the people between 2010 and 20. 15, 16, 17 that I had in my car didn't want to be in a car. They want to be walkable to downtown Aspen, whether it was single family homes or penthouses or whatever. Very few people wanted to be further out. And, and what's happened each time we've had one of those trends, and I, and I do think this is a trend right now that we're experiencing, is there's some hangover effect that lingers and stays forever. So uh, each time that something sort of shocks our 
local economy and in particular a real estate market, uh, it may not be forever lasting, but there are pieces of that or people or niches that stay. And, and I do think what we're seeing right now is some very significant changes to what people are looking for in our market, where they're looking and why they're looking here. And any of those people will probably end up finding Aspen as a permanent home or a part-time home for a long, long time to come. But I also think there'll be a healthy amount that test drive Aspen for the next year or even have already done it and said, all right, well, that was a good couple months. Now I'm going back to or, or I'm going somewhere else or, or whatever that is. So it's a, it's a mix. I don't think it's you know as cut and dry as just sticking as a trend for everybody or not. You know, I think you mentioned how you know unbelievably busy summer was. I remember walking into town and being kind of surprised, A, how busy it was, and then B, that it wasn't, it didn't feel like locals, which traditionally, you know, and certainly in the shoulder seasons, it's, you know, bumping into folks, you know, and just that shoulder season off time that uh, we all enjoy here when we live in the mountains. And, and that has really morphed into this more year round populace of people that are residing here now. And, you know, and I think there's been some tension there between longtime locals and some of these recent transplants. And I agree with you that, this trend might be here for a while. People are going to give it a try, but then they're going to be here for May and it's going to snow in October and they're going to realize it's not for everybody. I think that's totally true. And it's just, I kind of have to laugh because having grown up here, I remember as a kid, there was always this tension of the tourists coming versus the locals, kind of like we had the rivalry between Aspen and Vale or other resort markets, whatever it is. And over the years, at least my perspective is... I guess a true local as you could be is I've always felt like our visitors, whether they're part-time residents, which is how I like to refer to it rather than second homeowners. And frankly, it rubs me a bit when I see communications come from our local government on a regular basis or just other areas where people get classified as second homeowners, because that's not how they think about it. They think about it as Aspen's a home. They may have five homes around the world, or, or they may just have one or two, and Aspen's that second one, but they're part-time residents. They feel like they're part of, when they own real estate here and spend time here, they feel like they're part of our local community and economy on all different levels. And it really was this year, there was a, a difference, Christian, you're right. It just felt different this summer and into the fall, even when we normally have a bit of an off season this year, I don't feel like we had any off season in terms of town quieting down. And had I not seen an episode or two of that show Yellowstone, where it talked so much about transplants. I don't know that that word would have cemented as much with me, but but that's really what it felt more like were people that were transplanting here to try it out, not necessarily people who are as invested in our local community or economy as I think part-time residents are often and certainly the local population is. And it'll be an interesting, you know, sort of petri dish experiment to see over the coming months and year or two how many of those transplants turn into true part-time residents or even full-time residents and ingratiate themselves into the community versus they just don't find this area or place to be right for them, or they think it's right, but they haven't found a way to become part of the fabric because obviously we don't want to have a divide between different classes or people or people coming from different places here, but that's a possibility. And it's something I think we all need to be paying attention to. No, I think that's a really good analysis of it. And I think it will evolve over time. This is all very new. And of course, everything's sort of exacerbated by the pandemic and the limited capacity in the restaurants. And and, and there's some tension, let's be honest. I mean, there's tension, you know, I mean, there's 
there's the real estate boom, but then there's also the challenges of operating a restaurant or a retail operation in town with limited capacity and almost maybe no capacity starting next week. So that has been a phenomenon I've witnessed here and watched carefully. And it will be interesting to see how that also unfolds over the course of the remainder of this winter and into next summer. And hopefully the pandemic subsides a bit and we're able to go back to more normal operations and capacities and get back to outdoor dining in a bigger way. Any other thoughts there? Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I I was talking to somebody about that this morning and they were saying, how do you feel about the fact that we're going into red level for COVID restrictions and restaurants are not allowed to have indoor dining anymore? And, And I think it's widely known now that there was a petition going around with thousands of people signing it the last week to try and keep restaurants open on some capacity. And and my response is, uh, you know, I can I can make arguments in a lot of different ways. On a personal level, our family's been very insular as much as we can to just avoid any unnecessary exposure contact for our own benefit, but also for, for others as well. And, and I just think about that somebody has to make a decision. So at, at whatever level that is, whether it's at an Aspen level or a Picking County level or state of Colorado level or a bigger level, somebody has to say, here are the restrictions or here's the opportunity or whatever it is. And, and we kind of all have to live with it. I mean, my, my general philosophy has been last year, was the year of uncertainty. And this year is the year of flexibility. And I just want to be flexible and respectful of whatever it is that, that we need to do or where we need to go. And, and obviously try to do the best we can under that umbrella. Year of flexibility. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's shift gears a bit and talk about, you know, you mentioned, you know, part-time residents and you obviously uh, work with a lot in terms of helping them find or sell uh, a residence here in the area. What are you hearing from them? Are they, has the clientele that you're working with changed um, in the last year or two? Or is it the same type of folks? Are they from the same place, the same type of uh, backgrounds and jobs? And how is what they're looking for changed? You mentioned that earlier that people are looking more for space and privacy versus walkability now. Um, how's that been changing? It's always changing, but you know what we've seen in the last six months, which is such a short period of time, is a real paradigm shift. You know, over over the span of the 15-ish years I've been back in Aspen, over the span of the 40 plus years that I've been alive and lived in Aspen more or less, there are these shifts that you see, but this one's happened really, really quickly. And what I've noticed is this past summer, we had a ton more people from New York Normally, New Yorkers are winter residents in Aspen because so many of them go to the Hamptons or other East Coast places or Europe for the summer. But we had a lot more people saying, I've been in the Hamptons cooped up for the last couple of months of COVID lockdown. Aspen sounds like a great place to go this summer. So that was a a bit of a shift. And not unlike when a lot of Texans discovered Aspen in the summer back in the 80s, and that really shifted our market then, as I mentioned earlier, I expect there will be more and more New Yorkers finding Aspen as a place to spend at least part of their summers going forward. Another demographic that I really noticed this year was a lot of Pacific Northwest, especially Seattle, but but all over the Northwest and California too, a lot of tech-oriented young people coming here and, and in many cases just married or getting married and and real money. I mean, looking at certainly 10 million, but in many cases, 20, 30, even, even higher million dollar homes and, and not necessarily being as familiar 
with Aspen. In some cases, people have been coming here for years, but in other cases, just saying that seems like a good place that is accessible to the outside world, connected. And what I think a lot of people don't realize until they spend time in Aspen, uh, something that's very different here now than it was uh, even 15 years ago and certainly 20, 30 years ago is there's an incredible cohort of very bright, well-educated, experienced in terms of the world and work people that live here uh, anywhere from in their 20s, you know, well up into 60s and 70s. So really at any age range, you can come here and if you want to tap into a great social dynamic and circle and brain trust that's that's interesting. So seeing those two were the big that stand out to me, New York people coming in the summer instead of just the winter, like I said, the young tech crowd, and then seeing where they were looking was different, where the focus on downtown Aspen, only want to walk, got to be as close into the core as can be, that shifted. All of a sudden, people wanted a little more elbow room. So areas like east of town, west of town started getting a lot more traction than they had seen in the past. Homes that just have you know a feeling of privacy or a little buffer, I'm, I'm sure a lot of that was just COVID reaction of people wanting their space. Really, most interesting to me was how the light switch just flicked on for Woody Creek and Old Snowmass and ranch properties. I mean, that was a real... Uh, area of suffering out of the Great Recession was in 2006, seven, even into eight, there was healthy demand for larger ranch style properties. And I'm talking anywhere from five to 10 acres up to hundreds of acres on the outskirts of Aspen and Snowmass Village, up to 25, 30 minutes from, from Aspen. And coming out of the recession, there was just no demand for properties like that. And there are many properties that have sat on the market for six, seven, eight plus years in Woody Creek and Old Snowmass. And all of a sudden, you couldn't find enough of those kind of properties to put on the market this summer. And that have been on the market for six years, all of a sudden, we're getting multiple offers in a similar time frame. So that was just a, a wild phenomenon to see and, and to just ride that wave. And for people to get educated on areas that they really hadn't paid much attention to over a long time, it was a dramatic shift for us, for sure. like you know if you've got a west coast younger client that's tech savvy are they willing to you know do a facetime tour of a home are they are they doing things differently than some of your more traditional clients just curious how that has evolved obviously with you know covid precautions and all that totally i'm so glad you asked that because uh it's right in front of my face just literally in the last couple of days but also just bigger term trend and the reality is for, for me personally now, for several years, I've been pushing virtual reality to the level of wearing you know, virtual reality goggles to, to see and experience homes that are being built or yet to be built in Aspen. I had a virtual reality showroom open for a couple of years right on Main Street in Aspen because I thought that's such a great way to help people see what they're going to buy that's you know a year or two or three out. And the offshoot of that, the much more simple version are the, the 3D tours like Matterport tours of homes that have really gained traction in the real estate industry in general all over in the last couple of years and certainly more in Aspen because it enables you to see and experience 
a home in a way that much more robust than video or photos can typically do. And for so many of our clients who are here for a period of time or can't get here when something comes on the market, yet they're really interested, video and 3D tours are a great way to, to show those properties. This past year, uh, really starting again back in June, when I mentioned a lot of people all of a sudden inquiring about buying real estate again coming out of the COVID shutdown, many of them weren't here. And so the best way for them to see homes was to do FaceTime tours or video tours or Matterport tours. And there's no question, there's just been a huge surge in using those tools. Uh, the Dancing Bear penthouse that I mentioned, I sold at the record 6,000 a foot. The buyer did not step foot into that property until after they owned it. They saw what I had in terms of 3D tours and lots of phone conversations about details and different pieces, but that property sold without them seeing it. And, and there have been many others like that, uh, much more so than we ever saw before coming into this year. Just this week, I had two properties go under contract. One is my listing and one was a buyer where the buyers have not stepped foot in the property. They, they um, went to contract based on videos and in one case a facetime video walkthrough and the other one just manual videos that we took and sent to them and they seem very comfortable and confident based on what they see and what they have and and if you think about that it's pretty wild to buy a 10 million dollar or a 15 or 20 million dollar home that you've never stepped foot in i mean and that's that's very real right now it's happening for sure I mean, you know, seeing the technology change is, you know, it's beneficial. I mean, just, you know, being able to do podcasts and Zooms and everything else that, you know, has changed so quickly and accelerated with the COVID has obviously impacted the real estate world as well. You mentioned you just had a few closings. Do you have any interesting current listings you want to tell us about? Uh, sure. I've got a couple that are, that are really fun, actually. One is on the east side of town, 195 Skimming Lane, and it's a very cool 10,000 square foot house with dead on views of Ajax and it's mid construction, just a unique property surrounded by national forests. I just showed it yesterday. And that's one of the things, Christian, that uh, I grew up in Aspen. I told myself, I'm never, ever going to be a real estate broker in Aspen because that's what everybody does. And it just seemed like such low hanging fruit as a, a career opportunity, if you can call it that. And I kind of happened, happened into it during the recession as a profession. And fast forward 11 years later, it's, it's certainly been successful for me, which is great. But more, it's just so cool to see some of these properties that people have the means to build or the vision to build. And, and that property is one of them for sure. Uh, another one on sort of a different end of the spectrum that I really am honored, frankly, to, to list is the DeWolf family property in the West End. And uh, Nick and Maggie DeWolf were, you know, long time known in Aspen, both passed away now, but just their imprint on our community was significant in so many different ways. And to get to work with their grown children now and, and, uh, and represent that family and the legacy of what that property will become, it's got a historic home on it. And it, it inevitably, at a list price of $18 million, somebody's going to put real money into the home that's there and reviving it as a historic property, but also probably building or on there. So it'll be fascinating just to see how that transforms. And I mean, that's obviously what Aspen has been all about since it was founded as a as a silver mining town is, is transformation over time, but still honoring in some way or, or keeping uh, you know part of its past and its legacy. And, and that property really epitomizes that. 
I think that's a great point. And, and I think you're, you're spot on too in that Aspen always has looked towards the future as well and has sort of set the trends in building style and, you know, the, the, the mountain modern kind of building style came from here pretty much, I think, and now is pretty uh, prevalent across all the mountain communities. And, and now you're seeing that evolve even further. Is that still what clients are looking for right now? Do they want a more modern residence or are, they, are things pivoting back towards a more traditional style? For sure. That's one of those where it's kind of like each time we get the new trend, some of it sticks around and some of it fades away. And, and what we saw kind of in the 2014, 15, 16, 17 range was this really hard contemporary look that people were favoring and, and more like L.A. style, I would say. Uh, very clean lines, big glass, flat roofs, basically white and gray palette. And, and you just had the feeling at that time. It's like this is like really cool looking, really modern, but also just so hard in contrast to the mountains that there's just no way that this this really sticks. And, and for sure, there are so many individual tastes out there in terms of people who buy real estate in Aspen that there's, there's always a market for whatever style you could come up with. It's just a question of what percentage. And, and it's interesting because I would have said three or four years ago, five years ago, 80% of the new buyers in our market seem to want that hard edge contemporary. And we maybe only had like 5% liked the more historic log look that we had, was really prevalent in the early 2000s. Uh, and then there was, you know, a subset that just liked sort of the, the middle of the road mountain look. And that has really swung back now to where people still like a contemporary feel. They, they like capturing the indoor outdoor living that big glass and open doors allow you to do, especially because our climate is just so great in the summer. But the, the warmth was missing in that trend or that swing of the pendulum. And now seeing more varied roof lines come back into vogue, uh, more warm feeling woods tied in with the white and gray palette. And it's fun to see. It's, it's another fascinating part of this industry and, and this business in what I'd say is a very progressive market for design. I mean, we have some amazing architects in Aspen with incredible accolades. And to see what some of those people uh, infuse into into our market here and into our real estate landscape is, is pretty wild. But I'd say for sure right now, the sort of more key words are mountain warmth with a contemporary flair on it or something along those lines. Any predictions for how 2021 is going to unravel? Can we keep up the pace? What do you think is going to happen? I, I hate to to try and make predictions because I'm so rooted in the data and the numbers of you know what's happened in the past. But normally, obviously, that's what helps you project towards the future is seeing those trends. And and I think I put it in my last email newsletter. It's just a fool's errand right now with how much this past year shifted. I mean, a year ago, right now, we were in a nice sort of steady winter real estate sales environment. And we went to complete uh, shutdown that nobody envisioned to completely the opposite direction that is just still hard to, to really imagine where we came from. But here's what I can tell you is listing inventory in the Aspen area is down way more than 50% from where it was five or six years ago. It's down 20-ish percent from just a year ago, depending upon the neighborhood and the price point. And, and that's real. I mean, there, there's just not as much on the market or to offer to what still is a pretty strong buyer demand right now. So in my mind, just no way that 2021 will post the volume and the numbers from a, a transaction standpoint that we saw last year because we, we don't have the fuel to feed the fire. What is 
going to happen, I, I do believe, is prices have continued to push up. Uh, that supply-demand ratio with more demand than, than uh, supply for sure right now is putting pressure on prices. We saw prices go up significantly last year. Snow mass on the order of 8 to 10%, which was a big jump from a market that had been very stagnant. And in Aspen, seeing anywhere from 10 to 20%, depending on neighborhood and price point location, of course. Yeah, that's a big pop for one year. To put in perspective, back in 05, 06, 07, we had three years in a row where the market appreciated more than 20% a year. And that's totally unsustainable. So in a way, I hope this year reels it all back a little bit and, and doesn't quite appreciate as much because that'll get to feeling like we're in a bubble. think we're in a bubble right now because supply is so low, but I, I do think we'll see good demand, uh, higher prices, but much le- like lower activity than before. And of course, everything I just said, all bets are off. If something changes significantly again with COVID or politically or economic, whatever. And that's why my word of the year again is flexibility. You've built a reputation for providing the most in-depth and robust Aspen real estate market report. When can we expect to see the 2020 version? And can you give us any insight in advance? I had a really energizing and exciting call with my graphic designer two days ago because it just feels like it's time to pivot and and publish something unlike I've done before. And, And frankly, unlike we've seen in Aspen or I think really any other resort market So I'm going to take my time and my report probably won't be published until later this spring, maybe even to the summer. I'll give you a little teaser. We're thinking something along the lines. It's like a mashup of the Rob report, the New Yorker, and my typical real estate in-depth analysis for Aspen. So really blending some luxury trends that really apply to Aspen, but are more global trends and some of the more social media type phenomenons that you might see, like, for example, the Kardashians just renting a home in Aspen for nearly half a million dollars. I mean, there's just there's some facts out there that are go beyond the just cut and dry price per square foot or, or number of $10 million sales that I want to put out. So that's all in the works. But every month I send out an email with with stats like the ones you rattled off and, and more timely relevant stuff to my my database. So it's, it's an ongoing, always in the trenches process. But the big report itself is shifting and I'm, I'm very excited for where it's headed. Andrew, this has been a very illuminating conversation. I would like to end the show kind of diving into you personally a little bit in a, a section I call a few favorites. So what is your favorite recreational pursuit? Right now, skinning. I skin every morning around 6 to 6.15. Uh, and I usually go alone up Tyhack or Maine Buttermilk or West or Highlands, wherever. And uh, I, just, I love it. It's like total meditation. What's your favorite part of your job? Definitely seeing the properties that uh, I would otherwise never be exposed to. I saw a swimming pool last summer that cost $4 million to build on Red Mountain, and it felt like it's, it should be in a James Bond movie. It, it was amazing. Favorite place to entertain a client in the winter? Well, uh, in normal, normal times, whatever that means, Cloud9 is always, always a good spot. But frankly, I love the if I have a good client, I love having them over to our place. I like to cook and uh, just have like an intimate, great winter dinner, whether we're doing raclette or, you know, a fondue or, you know, some kind of like grilled veal on a risotto. I mean, that to me, that's my, my way to unwind and, and uh, get a little uh, refuge from an otherwise very socially demanding job. 
if you have to host at a restaurant, um, do you have one of choice? Uh, there's, you know, there's a couple that I, that I really like. I mean, over the years, I've always enjoyed going to Campo. I think a great meal at the Little Nell has has always been a highlight. Matsu is, you know, certainly a a, a regular and, and favorite. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it changes too, and that's one of the fun parts is every year when we have new restaurants again to, to try them. I really liked going to Almerese last last winter. I thought that was a fun new addition to our our restaurant scene. We Aspenites love our valley, but we also love to travel. Uh, if you leave the valley, do you have any hot spots you like to go? I have two. Uh, one is uh, Lake Como in Italy. We own a, a condo there that we remodeled, historic, several hundred year old building. And we've never stepped foot in it since it was completed in March because we were supposed to go in March and that got shut down. And Look forward to going there when we can. But my mother grew up on the on the lake, and as a kid, we spent uh, some times in the summer there. And that's just a, a neat place for our family to get to go, and as a hopping off place to explore Europe. And then the other is anywhere in my car. I love road trips, and our family, we've done some nice road trips this year, and just embracing traveling closer to home and, and exploring really the the West is one of my favorite things to do. Aspen is home to many nonprofits and amazing charitable causes. Is there one uh, of particular interest to you? Aspen Valley Ski Club, top of the list, just having grown up when it was the Aspen Ski Club and like 60 kids compared to now, well over 2,000 kids, uh, having gone through the ranks there and seeing my two boys going through the ranks now, very near and dear. I think that's just an amazing organization, the number of kids it touches and supports, kids who would never be able to get on the slopes Otherwise, without the support of the club, I think it's very cool. Awesome. And finally, if if listeners want to learn more about you and your real estate, where is the best place for them to get more information? Aspenreimagined.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Selling the Mountains. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a follow, leave a short review on Apple, or share it with a friend. For feedback, suggestions, or business inquiries, please email christian at seekyourmoment.com.